those patterns give you a structure that you can then build your own model around really so you can you can use it as a skeleton and then put on your own stuff your own resources your own knowledge your own ideas that then make it your own uh, business model in the end so it's not just copy paste but you basically leverage the structure that others have already tested and apply it to your own context Welcome to the Impact Lunch Talks, your podcast to learn more about sustainability in a business context. Today, we will talk about different patterns to design business models which create a positive impact on society and or the planet while making money. We have Leon from Reframe Ventures with us, a consultancy which is supporting companies in developing net positive business models that generate positive social change. Why is this important, you may wonder. It's not questioned any longer that companies need to become more sustainable. The big question is rather how. CSR, so corporate social responsibility, and also the optimization of ESG factors is important, and so is improving efficiency of operations. But it's also time to take the next steps to fully integrate sustainability into the core of existent or new business models. Some might argue that, well, sustainability and giving back to society is expensive, that might be, but not if you manage to build a working business model around it. So probably easier said than done. So what's in it for you? If you wanted to create a new um, or adapt an existing business model, you will get an overview of 24 business model patterns and 12 clusters, um, as well as insights in some tangible organizational examples based on Leon's database. Um, so business model patterns, which show you how to um, create profit while making an impact at the same time. Um, you will get some inspiration as well as some advice on where and how to start when designing a sustainable business model. So um, yeah, feel free to listen further in order to get some insights to make money with being sustainable. Well, first of all, thanks. Thanks for having me, Melanie. Um, pleasure. I, well, where do I start? I'm, I have a business background. So I studied in the UK and um, during those uh, months, I realized that there's a lot of things wrong in the business world today and um, started looking into the concept of social entrepreneurship, uh, social innovation and how businesses through their business models can create a systemic change that we desperately need in this world. Um, so it was really through my studies that I kind of jumped into this topic and then um, slowly started engaging more in different fields in the startup sector. Um, also started working with uh, sustainability consulting um, with larger organizations and then uh, also founded a company, uh, which is called Reframe Ventures, um, which I guess we'll be talking more about uh, in this conversation as well. Um, but the, the main idea there is really that we combine the two worlds of the impact startup uh, sector where business models are being created that both uh, generate financial returns, but then also a systemic impact, positive impact on society or the environment. And combine that from the startup sector with uh, the resources, the knowledge and the market uh, experience and, and 
position that SMEs have and uh, facilitate cross-learning between these two worlds. And, and what, what would be like challenges um, the companies you're, you're working with or you're helping, um, what, what are challenges they, they see themselves confronted with? There's a, there's a whole variety, I would say. You could name any of the big sustainability challenges that we're facing as a society at the moment because companies are realizing more and more that they have a role to play in overcoming these challenges. So that ranges from you know, poverty and uh, supply chain issues um, or, or labor um, conditions in the supply chain to plastic in the ocean, uh, the big topic of carbon and climate change, uh, but also, you know, biodiversity loss and, and anything that you could put under the umbrella of sustainable development or uh, the sustainability challenge. And then obviously there's some topics that are closer to the respective business that we're working with. Um, so it's more likely that they'll start working on those. Um, for example, if you have a company that just um, has a lot of packaging, um, plastic in the ocean might be a, a good leverage point to start thinking about a business model, how they could earn money while solving that problem. Um, yeah, so it always depends on what industry you're looking at or what company it is in the end. So uh, so I think that that's like an interesting point you made. Like it's about um, also this aspect of how can you actually earn money by improving your your business model and thereby contributing in one way or the other, depending on your on your current business model and, and contributing to one of these sustainability development goals. Um, which brings us to an actually really interesting topic: um, patterns in these business models, right? So, so you made a study to identify different kind of patterns on, on how businesses can, can make such an impact while making profit. Um, can you tell us a bit more about, about that? Yeah, sure. So one of the first things that we did as, as a company when we started off was looking for inspiration. You know, we were trying to facilitate the learning between these two worlds. So um, we're looking for best practices or for good examples of uh, impact business models that could easily be replicated or that could be learned from. And so we started with a very small data set and looked at, you know, some companies that we already knew from the past. And while we were gathering the data on these few examples, we were realizing that it's actually really helpful to have a longer list as well. And we kept building and building this database. And um, at a certain point we had like 350, 400 entries in that database. And um, that was the point where we thought maybe we can even see some underlying patterns in this overall database, you know, not just in the individual examples, but maybe there is some commonalities between different entries in the database. So what we did was just looking through all those different examples that we had in our database and uh, coming up with clusters of how the businesses combined a revenue generating model with an impact model. Um, and 
the logic these are how they dimensions is, is that correct you always look at at the revenue model at, at the source for profit and the the impact model the source for for impact yeah exactly exactly those are the two components that we're always looking for because we're trying to differentiate um the the solutions that we're developing from the ngo world which is primarily focused on the impact side and does not focus too much on revenue generation is mainly funded by donations for example or by philanthropy so from that on the one side and then on the other side the traditional business sector which is mainly focused on revenue generation and not so much on impact uh, creation so we're really looking for that sweet spot in the middle of the two um, that embraces both sides uh, equally um, so yeah we're in, in the database that we had we just looked for different logics of how to combine business model with impact model and that's basically how we came up with our patterns which were 21 in the beginning and then we just kept building the database by now we have uh, 600 plus organizations in that database and we uh, revised our uh, patterns and our model um, and published a second version of it um, which now contains 24 patterns um, which are again grouped in 12 uh, different clusters um, of very similar patterns wow cool can, can you give us an example of a, of a cluster and a, and a pattern and maybe even to make it more tangible an organization which which has it is that possible yeah sure um and I think it might even make sense to just give a couple of examples just to get a sense for the variety of different patterns that we see and organizations that work in it. Um, so I guess one of the examples that uh, a lot of people have heard about is the cluster of creating employment. And um, within that, we have two patterns, which is uh, one um, creating employment for disadvantaged people and then the other one is micro entrepreneurship so both are regarding creating you know a job opportunity for someone who is otherwise not equally treated on the labor market but in different ways so the first one um, or for the first one an example would be the german social business afb um, which employs it's like a, it's almost a medium-sized business already. They have uh, 400 plus em employees. And um, I think over half of that, um, over half of the employees have uh, physical disabilities. So they structurally create a business model um, that employs these people. And what they do is um, restoring old uh, computer technology so they're basically hardware basically so they um, yeah buy back from organizations the old hardware restore the technology and then sell it on again um, so they're not just focusing on em employing dis uh, people with disability but also um, you know looking at that environmental part of uh, recycling upcycling again and that's also a good hint already because we found that most of the companies that are in the database actually don't only use one of the patterns but multiple patterns 
Mm-hmm. So we have this AFB company who creates structural employment for disadvantaged people. Um, and maybe just to give another example on the micro entrepreneurship uh, side of the employment cluster um, would be a startup in um, which is operating in the US and also in uh, Latin America um, by it's called it's called AgriCycle. And uh, what they do is empowering women um, to use leftovers from fruit plant uh, yeah, fl- fruit farms basically so from orange farms or, or other fruit farms in, in latin america um, using the leftovers to create snacks or to you know produce snacks um, of dried food which are then sold in the u.s so they have their market in the u.s and the production in latin america and empowering women um, to create micro businesses for that and then just create a super huge market for that in the u.s um and therefore you know you give women uh an opportunity to to grow themselves and to uh yeah become independent and design their own lives so that is all about you know employment and then there's also other parts i already mentioned the upcycling part um there is the idea of uh structurally creating donations um, for other courses. So some people might know uh, the startup Share, which is operating in Germany and and across Europe actually, um, which has a one plus one model. So basically you buy one bottle of water and one bottle of water is donated somewhere else or um, one you you buy one pen and then a whole set of education material is donated somewhere else Um, that is another model that we found quite a lot but then you also have those really systemic innovations that uh, you know really flip everything uh, on its head and and structurally rethink how uh, how processes are run and have been run in the past so um, an example there would be africa green tech as as a company who produces um solar containers so they use shipping containers to um with german engineering uh capacities to build in solar panels which can then be unfolded so they produce these in germany and work closely with communities and uh, governments in western africa to decentralize the whole energy grid and system in western africa and make people independent from you know, the very shaky uh, government provided landlines that still exist or, or even diesel generators that are just super pollutant for the environment and bad for climate change. So they are structurally rethinking of how energy can be provided uh, in a very empowering way. Thanks, Leon, for these insights and these wide variety of different business model patterns, which which I think is like such a huge inspiration because it can serve like for everyone who already has like an existing business model or is creating something from scratch. Like, like I like to think of it as a sort of like a mix and match model. Mm-hmm. You, you pick the ones which are several ones, ones which you think they are most suitable for you. You can, you can mix them. You can see how much of an extent you want to like focus on, on this pattern. Um, because yeah, you can you can have like your whole workforce 
I don't know, hiring uh, from a from a disadvantaged group, or you can only maybe start with a with a small fraction with a team to see how it's going and and little like little by little um, work your way uh, to a like up to a larger scale, so to speak. Um, the question I would have, Leon, is is there like any patterns which are more easier to implement um, for, than others, for instance? Is there anything um, where where companies, organizations could could start with um, easier? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, maybe just also to comment on what you said uh, just now, I think the beauty is really that it gives you, those patterns give you a structure that you can then build your own model around, really. So you can you can use it as a skeleton and then put on your own stuff, your own resources, your own knowledge, your own ideas that then make it your own uh, business model in the end. So it's not just copy paste, but you basically leverage the structure that others have already tested and apply it to your own context. So that's that has been uh, really helpful in, in the work with our clients as well. Um, and getting to your question of which ones are easier to implement, that is um, not an easy uh, question because it hugely depends on the company that you're looking at which industry they are operating in um, and so many other different factors. But uh, I guess it's safe to say that some of the uh, patterns tend to be easier than others. So I was talking about the systemic innovation with Africa Green Tech really rethinking whole structures of how energy can be provided, for example, which I would say in most cases is quite difficult. You really need to understand the whole system uh, all the different variables that are in there and, uh, you know, what happens if you pull this one lever and then um, uh, other things uh, have trickle-down effects and stuff. So um, it really requires a lot of knowledge and deep insight into what is actually happening and how you want it to be. And then there's a lot of iteration, testing, piloting, uh, prototyping involved to really get this you know, to iteratively get to the right solution. Um, yeah, so I would classify those as a bit more tricky. And then obviously the ones that I mentioned about, you know, donations, or there's also another one around uh, structurally raising awareness about issues through your business model. Um, I guess those are slightly easier to implement because you can build on well, in the case of donations, you can build on existing structures of other organizations. So SHARE, for example, is working together with the World Food Program to provide um, the, the access to drinking water or um, nutrition in other countries. Um, and you just, within your business, build a structure to uh, systematically create money that basically flows into a certain cause. So those are slightly easier. Um, there's also a couple of patterns that are a bit more tricky to implement because they are not so widely applicable, I would say. So there's really cool social enterprises that use special talents, um, for example. So there's one example from Germany as well, um, which is called Discovering Hands, where blind women, because they have uh, very good um, 
well, very good other senses, basically, they can detect breast cancer um, for other women. So they can, you know, feel the, the I'm not an expert, but they can feel the knots and um, they are much better than any technology that you could come up with at the moment. So there's a company that has, you know, created this pool of blind women who are now, who now found their purpose in uh, detecting breast cancer. Um, well, there's another one that in, in, um, in Madagascar, I think that uses rats to detect landmines, um, to, you know, go into the field and, and sniff the landmines and then, uh, they can be removed. So they, they use the special talents of people of, of animals, even in this case, um, to create a, a social impact. And uh, I guess those ones are also just super tricky to implement because they are so niche, you know, you need, you, you need those special talents and then match them with the problem. Um, I guess that's not super easy to implement for established businesses or for other people that are looking into this. It's more like accidents or, or coincidences that you would find those kind of solutions, I would, I would argue. Thanks, thanks, Leon. Uh, maybe very last question before we open it up uh, to, the, to the group. So um, let's say I'm a, I'm a company and I actually like realized, okay, I want to like look at this really important topic of sustainability, um, not only from, from this like rather external CSR perspective, but really from a, from a business model perspective. Um, where would I start? Yeah. Um... I guess what we found is that a lot of the pre-work has to be done before you jump into business model creation. So it's really important that you've started with, you know, a materiality analysis. You already know what the topics are that your business um, should focus on and you've done your stakeholder analyses and all of that. So you need a kind of base to even start thinking about business models impact business models um, but then what we do afterwards um, once that is established is usually just start with the problem side and think about what exactly do you want to tackle in a business model um, and really try to understand the people that suffer from this problem or you know that are impacted uh, really build a broad understanding of um, a broad and, and deep understanding of what the Uh, problem looks like and then start design solutions afterwards really in this design thinking process um, yeah and also uh, maybe that's that's an important note to end on um, is that uh, it should be like the the selection of the problem should be a mix of what the world needs so pressing issues around the globe but also what the company is really good at the capacities and, and resources that the company has and and that's often forgotten i think is personal passion so the people that work on it i think need to have a passion for what is being designed and um that should yeah just be considered while you're thinking about what the business model could look like in the end and what problem you're trying to tackle because otherwise you will lose the energy and it will not sustain itself really Thank you, Leon. And I, and I guess that that depends on, on every individual, not only on companies, but, but can be applied uh, to each and every one of us. 
Um, thanks, Leon. Uh, let's let's open it up to to the rest of um, of uh, of the group um, for for questions. For everyone who's interested, I guess you will share the link to Reframe Ventures, um, where all the patterns can be downloaded and the the complete study. For everyone who's interested later in the in the notes, um, but open and up to to the group. Any any questions? Anything you want to ask, Leon? I saw that Melissa was uh, was asking a, a question in the chat. Um, Melissa, shall I read it out loud, or do you want to come online? Okay, so Melissa is asking if you could highlight more how this can be done um, for startups that aren't so far in their processes yet. So, um, so I guess like this whole whole process of of putting sustainability closer to their business model from the very yeah. start. Yeah, that's also a tricky one because um, it really depends on what stage the, the startup is in. I think at very early stage, when the idea is still being formed, it is easier to start thinking about these things as well. And then, you know, structurally build them in while you're still designing your business model. If you have um, completed a couple of funding rounds already and, you know, you have your product, you are on the market and you're building... Um, your your market share and, and your team and all of that it tends to be a bit harder because then you're so much focused on establishing the business that you have in mind in the at that point really um and it's it's harder to then you know shift the focus to something else that could be built on top um there are ways to do that and then that would probably go beyond the conversation that we have right here but um there are ways and then i guess it becomes easier again once you're in a later stage uh, of your startup again when you know your first core business model is established and you're thinking about additional ones now or expansions into different directions or you want to modify start modifying things um, then it becomes easier again because then it's similar to more established businesses again so it really depends on the phase that you're in as a startup but Generally, I would say it's always worth exploring because it really depends on the industry, on your team, on so many different factors. Um, and there would there, there is the potential. Um, there's always a potential for uh, making something happen. So engaging in the conversation and, and starting to think about it never hurts, I would say. Thank you. I will also open a question. Um, thanks, Leon, first of all, to, to, to make this, uh, this explanation to us. But from the beginning, I was really um, thinking um, about social business. So the definition of so social business and what uh, Yunus Mohammed uh, with Ens Raise is also doing in, uh, in Germany. So um, I would probably ask just uh, out of curiosity, whether these differ to their concept, their idea, what they are doing, or if it's on the same um, role, let's say on the same line. Mm. Yeah, also a very good question because the, the question of definitions around this topic has been uh, widely discussed for years really um, and a common language is still an issue that the whole sector uh, suffer, 
well, a lack of common language is still a, a, an issue that the whole sector suffers from. Um, as you said, there's all these different definitions and uh, concepts out there with Mahmoud Yunus um, being quite strict about how the profits of that organization may be used or may not be used. Um, and, you know, other ways that are now emerging with Paul Polman and, you know, other people um, <laughs> saying that it's just about uh, giving back more than you take from society and from the earth. Um, so there's different focus points, I would say. Uh, all of these concepts des describe similar uh, ideas. Um, and I guess the common denominator is really that you combine, as I said earlier, that you combine business thinking and business mechanisms and the market with a systemic societal impact and societal, in this case, including both society and the environment, so global societal uh, impacts. Mm. We try to, dis to just get back to your question, we try to distance ourselves slightly from Muhammad Yunus's definition because we believe that uh, revenues or, you know, the profits don't necessarily need to be re reinvested into the cause. Um, there is also some good part and benefit to having shareholders and, you know, paying dividends and all of that. Um, we don't need to, at least that's our opinion, we don't need to overthrow the whole uh, economic system as long as there is a structural and yeah, structural systemic impact in your business model. And whenever I've now said structural and systemic impact, I mean really with every unit sold of your product, you create an impact. So it's not just something that you you know, in terms of CSR, you at the end of the year say, okay, we've got some profits left, so let's donate something. But really with every unit that you're producing, that you're selling on the market, there is a positive impact to society or the environment or both as well. That's why I'm saying, um, yeah, it has to be systemic and uh, or systematic even, yeah. Um, I would say, what, what are the biggest obstacles that businesses face um, to, to, let's say, transitioning their model or, or what they're doing? Is it, is it like an internal obstacle, a lack of willingness to change, or lack of know-how? What, what do you think are the biggest problems? Hmm. Yeah, again, there's so much content, context dependency in this. Um, it really varies between businesses. We've talked to a lot of companies where you could clearly pinpoint the lack of engagement or the lack of um, conviction in the leadership to be the biggest issue. Um, very traditional mindsets and uh, very close mindsets to news idea, new ideas as well. And um, yeah, I, I would argue in a lot of ways, not even embracing any sort of change, um, no matter in which direction. Um, but then also in other cases, um, it's just the market pressure, you know, thinking about the pandemic now, there's a lot of businesses that are just struggling to survive in the first place. So it's really hard for them to think about new things now, new ideas. They don't have the capacity to invest in research and development or even, you know, allow employees to work on something else uh, during work time. Um, 
yeah, uh, fierce competition, um, making it really hard in the, in the market environment. It's really hard to generalize. It depends on the industry and um, your, your individual business where you're located and stuff. But I would say that overall, the conditions are getting better. Um, you know, we have increased, and that applies to the sustainability topic in general, but also particularly to the business model field is that there's just a, an increased demand from all sides um, for this development, for these changes. You know, you have um, the, the customers and employees as individuals who are requesting that to, for businesses to work on that. But then also from a risk perspective, um, you have big investors and uh, other institutional stakeholders that are really demanding uh, businesses to rethink their, their business models. So yeah, generally the conditions are getting better, I would say. And also, you know, with maybe that's the last point with new generations um, going into the leadership roles in companies, there's just a lot of more intrinsic motivation as well to to think about these things i know time is short thank thank you very much and i really loved like that we ended with the with the notion of of leadership or the importance of leadership which i think fits really well with uh, with our last impact lunch talk for the ones who who were there uh, where Nicolas Stahlhofer actually like pointed up like this importance of leadership in the context of conscious business as one of the main major driving factors. So um, thanks for that. We have two minutes left. So let's see whether we can uh, whether we can squeeze Melissa's last question in. Which industries would you say are more keen on working with this? Um, is there mm -hmm. any focus industries you can you can pinpoint? Yeah, um, for sure. And it really comes back to what I just said before with, um, you know, the interest from external and internal stakeholders rising. So what you see is definitely um, markets that are very close and, and, you know, dear to, to customers like healthcare or food, for example, um, that are shifting very quickly. Um, because people are just interested in their own health and um, you know, they want to make sure that um, they are not destroying the planet while eating or um, similar is a market, uh, which is actually quite interesting from a marketing perspective as well is um, baby care and childcare. Cause people tend to, you know, say uh, I care about my, my kids, but then there's also these big industries that, uh, are forced by investors to, to go into this field. And now time is over. And now time is over. And with that, I want to say thank you to all of you, especially to Leon for sharing his insights on business models to make an impact. And I'm looking forward to talk to you in two weeks again for the next Impact Lunch Talks. Thanks everyone. Thanks for listening. The Impact Lunch Talks are a fusion of live podcasts and networking events, meaning this live podcast is followed by an informal networking session with our guest speakers and a growing and diverse community. If you want to join the Impact Lunch Talk community and the next networking event over your lunch break, then don't hesitate to drop me a message at melanie at bitrock.partners. See or talk to you again in two weeks.